Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey love, welcome to the Selfish Bay Podcast, aka Selfish Talk, hosted by me, Olenike O.C. Selfish Babe is a personal development and women's lifestyle brand dedicated to women learning how to selfishly and authentically love themselves. On this podcast, expect to have your mind expanded, curse words said, and to gain a new perspective about who the fuck you are. Let's get into it. The Selfish Babe Selfish Talk podcast is sponsored by my company, Goddess Detox. Goddess Detox is a holistic wellness company dedicated to providing women with self-love-inspired products to physically, spiritually, and emotionally detox. If you are a woman wanting to detox her ex, detox negative emotions, as well as to get more in tune with yourself and your vagina, check out our Goddess Vaginal Detox Pearls, as well as our Queen's Theme and Queen's Throne Combo, which is the in-home vaginal steam set for your convenience. You can find out more information on our products at goddessdetox.org, as well as follow at goddessdetox on Instagram. Tell them Olenike OC sent you. Selfish Babes, it is your girl Olenike O.C. here, bringing you another Selfish Babes Selfish Talk podcast with the beautiful Dia Sims. Dia Sims, say hello to our Selfish Babes. Hello! <laughs> and as you guys know, through my introduction, I have already introduced this lovely woman. And you know, when I bring on a Selfish Babe, I always have to ask them, you know, what is one traumatic event or experience that they have been through? And the reason why I especially want to ask Dia is because, you know, Looking from the outside in, you know, and it's fact, you are very successful. You know, you've worked with PD as well, being the president of Comb Industries. And so as a selfish babe looking in, I can be like, wow, she's very successful. She's on her boss shit. You know, now she's going into a whole new industry. Cannabis is taking that over. So my thing yeah. is, wow, being a selfish babe, I can be like, wow, she has it all, right? And that can very well be the case. But I also want to know some of the things that you have been through. Or what is something that comes directly from your past or to the top of your mind when you think of traumatic or past obstacle you may have been through? No, of course. First, thanks for having me on and just hello to everybody. I think it's, um, I think it's worth saying, and forgive me if this is super corny and Pollyanna-ish, but I, it, it's always important for us to think about, like, for me, really success just comes down to are you happy more days than not? Um, everything else beyond that is just added value. Um, so I feel very blessed that I feel I have been very successful almost all of my life just because of most of the time I have people who love me and I love people. And that, that really is the sum value of life. So any dollar I made on top of that is just, you know, just whipped cream on Sunday. Um, in terms of a traumatic event, I think, uh, I've actually, I've never shared this, um, publicly before but when uh I guess we have been when I've been married for maybe two years um I was I got pregnant and we were really excited but it was still pretty early like in the first um, trimester so we hadn't told anybody 
Yeah. And we, uh, we lived in Atlanta at the time. We went to New York for a wedding. And that, that night at the wedding, we told um, a couple who, was, who still are very, very close friends of ours. Yeah. And, the next, and the next morning, my husband left for his flight back to Atlanta. I was still working with Puff in New York. And like, he's like, fine, everything's fine. I started literally, he's like at the airport uh, on the plane. And then I started to have a miscarriage. Wow. And um, so I'm by myself in a hotel. I go straight to the hospital. I call my dad um, and, and a close friend head to the hospital. But, at, you know, of course, this point, I don't know what's going on. I just know it's a problem and I'm bleeding. I get to the hospital yeah. and they tell me that I miscarried. Uh, and it was really difficult because at this, you know, my husband's in the air. I can't reach him, blah, blah, blah. My yeah. friends come and meet me and I go home. And I think retrospectively, um, I was talking to a good friend about this, that I don't know that I probably really grieved at that time yeah. because, you know, I took the day um, and I went back to work the next day. Mm. And there, cause there is not really a clear forum. You know what I mean? There is no out of work day. Nobody puts that out of office. I'm not home. I'm not here today because I had a miscarriage, right? There isn't a, there isn't a place to talk about it. Um, and I think things are changing a little bit, but you know, this was, I mean, maybe like talent was my seven. I guess it probably was like over a decade ago. Um, and I don't think I really grieved until I got, until I like started to, I was pregnant with my daughter who's now seven, yeah. like towards the end of that trimester. And I was like, God, you know, this was a real child. You know what I mean? Like this was a real death that I never really dealt with. Um, so I think it's important because it, I love, you know, I'm 44 and in my generation, we didn't really, you know what I mean? We didn't really take the time. We just was, I was just like, well, back to work. Can't stop, won't stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, keep moving. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had, this is part of the reason why I was really excited to do this was I love your platform in that we really can't be whole if we're not um, taking the time to nurture ourselves first. Like, that shit is not a game um, because you just can only have a certain amount of capacity and trying to smush down these little issues, they're just going to pop up someplace else. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was hard, and I don't think I really, really dealt with it till many years later. When now, okay, so when you say many years later and dealt with it, how did you do so? So, I mean, even just talking about it, you know, I mean, even just talking to my husband, talking to some of my girlfriends who had been through something similar, um, you know, being able to cry. I mean, I was very, like, it happened, it was terrible, I cried. I have a wonderful parents. My dad was there, like, you know, like the, like the black cure left me with ginger ale and crackers. And then, <laughs> then and the next morning, I was just back at it. You know what I mean? That was kind of like, you, you know, you get, you get this amount of time to grieve it or to, you know, you got to move forward. Yeah. So um, I think even I had not really perceived it fully as the, as like a death yeah. uh, when it happened. So I felt like many years later when I was able to say, God, this was a loss of a child. You know what I mean? This was a real thing that, um, that helped me kind of go through it in a different way. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, I think, uh, miscarriage is definitely difficult. Um, that is the loss of the child. And, you know, I just loved your example of how I feel like it, it is sometimes with women, it's like, okay, this happened, okay, you know, got a day off, okay, back at it on the go, like you said, because usually that's the way that we've been taught or that's just the way we've seen maybe other people talk, process things, or we don't even know that they're going through something because they've never talked about it. And so because yeah. they've talked about it, when it does happen to maybe one of us, then it's like, well, we don't know, we're just not going to talk about it. And then you mentioned... Am I going to put, I'm taking off because I got a miscarriage? I have a question for you. Now, when you decided to take off, right, 
Um, did you ever think to say, I'm taking off because I had a miscarriage? Or did you want to keep that private? Because it was, you know, a private. No, I didn't even, it did not even occur to me. It did not even occur to me. And I am, um, you know, it was, uh, it was obvious. I was, uh, I was, you know, but still, I like very hardworking, very 24 hours at the office all the time. So even just for, so this happens in the morning, I still, after I leave the hospital, go into the office, like to get my laptop and stuff. So I can work remotely. Uh-huh. And some of my friends came, a couple of friends came with me. And I, you know, I think my team, they could see like I was not all the way myself. So it wasn't nothing to be said, but I don't feel well. And then people were concerned on my earring drop. You know, my, even my earrings were. No, no. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but, but it didn't even, it was just, it wasn't even, to be honest, I'm saying I took off. I really just was like, I'm going to be at home working. You know what I mean? Like took a little bit of rest and work from home and, and was just completely back in the office the next day mm-hmm. and just, you know, took my Motrin and kept moving. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just think that was, that was an expectation I put on myself. I don't know that anybody wouldn't have been understanding about it, but it had never, to your point, it's hard to be what you can't, what you've never seen. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't feel, I definitely didn't feel free to be clear about like, I'm taking some time, I'm grieving this, the way I would have if a family member passed away. Yeah, because usually when a family member passes away, we're able, oh, so-and-so passed away, this is what I'm going through. We're more willing to actually express that. Um, Absolutely. Wow. Um, I had a podcast a few months back and that podcast is completely different, but that podcast, I was talking about abortion. And in that podcast, I talked about abortion and I talked about, we had many different women on that have had different abortions for different reasons. And at one point, one woman, she talked about um, angel babies and mm-hmm. basically um, her daughter, she has a daughter now, but her daughter, when she was so young, she would like, she would see her mom's passed on maybe son or daughter that was passed on and she was younger oh, wow. that because some kids are very spiritual gifted some people are very spiritual gifted where they can see spirit and so they were messing sure. with her. So she had gotten a reading done and the reading had told her that oh these are angel babies they just want to be acknowledged that's it they understand that they have passed on but they just want to be acknowledged so now after she started acknowledging those angel babies they stopped messing with her daughter and the reason i'm bringing this up is because I even mm-hmm. have a woman that talked about a um, miscarriage, but it's because it's like, as you said, you went through that process and you realized that that was a loss of a child. But before, that wasn't your initial reaction, right? But now, right, right, you know, you're understanding. Well, that was a loss of my child, and so the grieving process or the letting go process, and then even for me, the acknowledgement process. And so during that time, we have talked about because I talked about my own personal abortion and how. For me, I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to my would-be then child. I wrote a letter, you know, saying why I did what I did and letting that go. And that, that I, and I, I will say that um, through different readings that that was accepted. Because I'm a very spiritual woman, as I talk about in my other podcast. But that that was, ex- ex- like my son, because it would have been a son. My son understood why I made that decision. And so what right. I think listening, and even for you, Dia, if you do want to go back there, um, I would highly suggest writing a letter uh, to your child, just, you know, saying how you were feeling, you know, and just expressing yourself. And then I also mentioned lighting a white or a blue candle 
um, just so that spirit can elevate. And also for the acknowledgement piece. The acknowledgement piece is like, wow, you know, you are going to be here on earth and you didn't make it onto this plane, but I still acknowledge you as my child. So very much so love you. Um, watch over us and the family because now, as people say, you are now an angel baby. So uh, for the selfish babe listening, as well as for you, Dia, that is just some suggestions that I would suggest. But it's like, you know, we have these this physical realm here, but then we do have from my personal belief, we have the spirit realm, we have the unseen. And a lot mm-hmm. of times before we get into this physical realm, we have the unseen realm, right? And so your baby is you. And sometimes I think that acknowledgement is just nice to have. Um, and I just want to say that for the selfish babe, listen, because I know there's many women that have gone through miscarriages and it's not talked about. And it's not really dealt with. And maybe we do talk to our close friends. And I will affirm that one day in the workplace that we can be a lot more open about it because I will mm-hmm. I think that in a workplace, and I can't speak from personal experience, this is just from me observing society. I think that in a workplace, at least in America, it's like, I feel like sometimes a woman cannot be whole. And when I say that, I mean, it's like, yes, we, you know, we want to be, you know, we are also as good as men as well. But then we have another counterpart where we have our vaginas and we have our wombs and we can create babies. And, you know, we have that mothering aspect of us. But sometimes when it comes to being in the workforce, at least in America, it's like a woman gets pregnant, she has her baby, boom, she's back in work. And that's like, <laughs> she, she on the go. And that was that. That's and so it's just like the acknowledgement of, of, of that part of a woman, which is like you have this womb, you have this vagina, you may want to conceive a child one day, and whether it's a miscarriage or whether it's full conception and here into this earthly realm, then it's like that just that acknowledgement, more compassion for that. I don't think that there's a lot of yeah. in the workplace for that. And so even you talking about one day, you know, a woman just being as bold to say, hey, guys. Like maybe you don't want to talk about it right when it happens, or maybe a month or two later, it's like, hey guys, this is what I went through. I went through a, mar- a miscarriage, and you know, I just wanted to share this because I know that it's not talked about often. But I feel yeah. like just even sharing that is the acknowledgement and a compassion of the divine feminine, right? Because we have both, you know, divine feminine, divine masculine, but we have to understand that with a woman's body, we can conceive. And we can bring earth into this realm. And so sometimes it's just like just having that conversation, I feel like, has a lot more compassion that I feel like is not really yeah. talked about in the workplace. Um, but yeah. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. I mean, they often say, like, for women, you have to, um, you know, you have to work like you don't basically have to work like you don't have a home. And at home, you have to kind of behave as if you don't have a job. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like the expectation. So it is, um, I mean, we're in a very, you know, it's a wonderful time to see a transition for women, but it is untested and it's unproven. And I think we are the test generation of the amount of things we're trying to bear at once and stepping into what has always been there, but speaking the appropriate level of consideration and acknowledgement and compensation for it, uh, frankly, right? But then, um, you know, the truth is, you still have not, we still are carrying centuries of expectations of what a woman is supposed to be in a household, who a woman is supposed to be in a relationship with. And it's unprecedented. It's as, as, as unprecedented as the pandemic we're in right now. Yeah. Um, so I think we're all figuring it out hour by hour is why these type of forms are, are critical. Yeah, I agree with that. And you had mentioned something about um, you got your laptop, you went back home because you wanted to, you know, work remote. And so even in during this time with a lot of people working remote, 
I will say like something that I always say that I think would be helpful that people do have more time home and they may be also working remote and doing work. But I will say for especially the women out there that I would definitely take this time to do some soul searching, some some uncovering, some um, inner child healing, some things that you have probably tucked tucked behind you because you were like, okay, get up and go, 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 go. And I think this is a wonderful time for women to really, and men, but for women especially to just work on themselves. And so if you are the, the selfish babe out there who is working uh, remotely, you know, yeah, do your, do your grind, do your work, but definitely take this time to do some self-reflection because there's some stuff that uh, you could be holding on to and we don't want to do that anymore. We want to let it go. We want to move forward. Let it go. Yeah happy and thrive because like you mentioned you talked about success in the beginning but being happy you know being able to be happy and I think that sometimes some women is just we're on a go 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 and it's just like we don't even reflect on are we really happy with our lives that's all it is I mean that's all that's the whole that's the whole game one um and you know I think in the pursuit of everything else is is fool's gold really where'd you grow up at I grew up in Queens, New York, mostly. Um, I was like born in California, I lived in Germany, but most of my childhood was in, in New York. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how to describe it, but when you <laughs> talk, you got like this thing. So I'm like, where's she from? So when you said New York, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good though. I'm just like, okay, where's she from? She got a, you know, swag about her. <laughs> yeah, I love New York. Yeah. <laughs> no back in the day that you used to be a promoter and I had seen in some of your past interviews that um, you would, you would uh, carry a clipboard around with you while you were going yes. through doing your job. And that you said that you had did that because you wanted to be taken seriously. Can you talk a little yes. bit? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's kind of crazy now uh, in retrospect, but in my twenties, uh, me and a couple of my girlfriends used to, we were pretty, you know, big promoters in, in DC. Um, so we'd have these events that have like a thousand people every week. And, um, it was just, a, again, it was just a different time. So at that time, and I, I don't know how much has changed, but, um, you know, at that time for women in, in any kind of nightclub or promoter or lounge or whatever it is, you know, the men were somewhat predatory. So like I was so fast would be able to grab somebody's hand before they could smack my behind. I feel like I should have been in the Olympics. You know what I mean? To be able to be like, and do the, so I mean, it was just a, so one of the things as like, well, this is my, I'm taking this very seriously. We were doing this for revenue. We had a great system. Shout out to Mark Barnes in DC who trained us. Um, but in order to get a thousand people, you had to go out quite a bit and meet a new, new people, new people all the time. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Whenever I have a clipboard, and I really discovered it more by accident, right? So you, you're, I'm running the line in front, I got my clipboard, and you would see that the, you know, the young men would treat you very differently when they walk up and see if they're on the list versus seeing you as a potential conquest. And there's, you know, I think there's a lot of, we probably don't have time to even discuss what was going wrong in their point of view, right? To help them be better nourished, to understand how to better interact with women. But that was the culture of the day. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. So I was like, I'm about to carry this clipboard everywhere. So I would literally just go buy clipboards and give them out to not just like my own, but like the 20 women that I work with, because it is an immediate different level in the way you were treated. Now, by notion to the imagination, should we have to have props to be respected? But I, I, it stuck with me and I used it mentally in any room I was in. It was just like my own little trick of like okay what's my clipboard effect when i don't actually have a clipboard right so i'm if i'm 20 you know in my uh if i'm 20 something years old in a room where everybody's 30 years older than me 
talking about a multi-million dollar decision, what am I doing in the, when I first two seconds when I walk in that room, because most people are making a decision about who you are, why you belong in a room in less than a second. And that's just science yeah. and that's just evolution. Um, how am I carrying myself? How am I, everything, what is down to the way I am walking, the point of my fingers, the, to your point, the cadence in my voice, the eye contact I'm making, the seat that I'm choosing, that is my kind of uh, metaphorical clipboard effect. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's important, um, while we're in this, you know, we're in a period of revolution where we would say, you know, we shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to come dressed the way I want, right? If I'm, I, I bring something to the table because, and that's valid. There's nothing that's not valid about it. But yeah. there has to be a balance of what is true um, and what should be right and what gets things done. You yeah. know, they say it takes 100,000 years to change the evolutionary footprint in your brain, right? Mm -hmm. So we are still operating in many ways. So it's not easy to change the fact that it's in our body, it's in our DNA that you have to make a decision about is somebody a friend or foe? In, yeah. in less than a second, because yeah. you're going back to living in the wild. It's, it's, in our, it's actually in our DNA. So try to pretend as if, it, for good or for bad, if you are a white man, you don't view yourself as a racist, but you don't know a bunch of young black women. You just, all you have is the experience you've seen on media. Exactly. I, in some ways, I'm not, I'm not even saying that. It just is the reality of our lives. Yeah. So you, when you walk in, all he knows is like, well, I don't know much. I've seen a couple Housewives episodes. I've seen what I've seen on the news, but I don't, I don't know a lot of a lot of that is not valid sources of all black women. It's not valid sources, but it's but it is reality, yeah. right? So I just think we gotta understand how are you making an impact when you walk in a room, and then how and then ideally, you are the one person by person to change the narrative. Yeah. I can't wait when I have these conversations that they're like, you know, I tell you, know, I, I want to be the one where a CEO of a multinational company with thirty thousand employees is like. We, our diversity program sucks, Dia, and we, I just don't know any women like you. And I, can be, I can't wait to tell them, like, I'm not, oh, you think I'm, I'm not remotely special. I know tens of thousands of just the badass women. I got to fly lawyers, doctors, judges, artists, anything you want. And let us, let us be the bridge, not just the representative, right? You know what I mean? Yes. I love that. And I think I did remember reading that in another interview, just like, um, how you were approached, I think, by somebody, and they were talking about diversity to you, and yes. you willing and able, willing and able to share, and I love that. Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. It just shows the connection. It shows, for me, first of all, it shows that they, they understand that they want to change, but they want to change from somebody that could be resourceful to them, that's actually helpful, yes. right? <laughs> and so, I, for me, that's a beautiful thing, because sometimes even, like, just for you being so ready and willing to want to help, I'm just like, wow, that shows a lot, because I will say sometimes some people be like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can really help you, but you're like, no, if we're really going to see change happen, this is how it starts, you know what I'm trying to say? So the fact that they came up to you and asked I think is a beautiful thing. And now, I know you've done a lot in corporate America, right? And so my thing is, can you explain a little bit what you did? Because I know a lot of your industries sure. are dominated. So can you explain a little bit to the selfish mm -hmm. business of what you've done, done in the past? Yeah, so um, I will, I'll try to give you a snapshot because I've worked in a lot of industries. And, and I also, I think it's important to make the point that at a C-suite level, if you are talking to other CEOs, CMOs, CFOs, there really is no American industry that is not male dominated, right? So in the Fortune 500, yeah. there are most recently on an average year, 28 to 30 women CEOs of the top 500 companies. We are 50% of the population. That is just fucking crazy. That doesn't make any sense, which is why I'm 
and we all should be like, yeah, I know lots of women. Let's get this right because it actually makes it better for us. Yeah. Um, so I started out uh, after graduating from uh, Morgan State in Baltimore. I took a job with the Department of Defense. I think it's important because uh, it raises another opportunity for all of us in that I was trained in defense negotiations. I went to a, uh, actually a training curriculum called the uh, Defense Acquisition University, and they also paid for me to get my master's degree. Um, what was the critical piece around this was being trained in how to negotiate contracts. Because one thing that I have found since then, again, that was over 20 years ago, but I use it every day, right? Because <laughs> you can always use negotiation, is that um, still to this day, if I have team members and for the most part, not everybody, but when a woman comes to me to negotiate something versus when a young man does, you can see the difference in the level of audacity. Mm -hmm. So I may have an extremely talented woman who is phenomenal at her job, just terrific. And almost to a person, I would say 99 out of 100 times, she's actually not asking for what she deserves. And I'll be like, no, 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 do your research, come back, and you need to stand up for it. And it comes down to the fact that negotiation shouldn't be some esoteric skill that I just happened to kind of get because I worked at the Department of Defense. Yeah. We need to be teaching kids this in like first grade. Yeah. Um, so it was a helpful tool to me. And then from there, I went into doing, um, I went to radio, I did advertising sales, I ran a small ad agency that was focused mostly on spirits, like a, a marketing company in Maryland. Um, for myself, just an entrepreneur, me and, me and a couple of my friends. Yeah. I worked in pharmaceutical sales as well. That, and then I moved back to New York from Maryland and got back into radio sales. And that's from there, uh, I inherited um, all of the music labels as clients. And at the time, Bad Boy Records refused uh, to, op to, to advertise in this particular station because they were very loyal, Pop is very loyal to um, Hot 97, which you guys may have heard of, and the first station hip-hop uh, out of New York. Yeah. Um, so I was able to break the Bad Boy Records for the first time, and that was kind of my entree into a relationship there. And when uh, he was looking to hire, when Puff was looking to hire a chief of staff, uh, one of his executives called me and was like, would you interview for the job? And I, she said, and I've said this before, she, I think she really thought we would get along just because I would send emails out at like three in the morning. She's like, I think you don't sleep. I know he doesn't sleep. I feel like I'll get along kind of thing. Um, so we had a short interview, got the job, but he said, look, you have not ever managed really large teams. So uh, I want you to start off as an executive assistant, not the chief of staff role, um, which I said, yes, I started off as executive assistant. I was more concerned about, I was like, look, I just, this is what I need to be paid. I don't really care what you call me. You know what I mean? And I felt like this was a chance to go uh, work for somebody who I could learn from. Yeah. And then from there, I went and um, started off as the executive assistant and then was promoted and promoted again and um, worked with him. I stepped up and asked, actually, to work um, with him to help negotiate, going back to my old DOD days, um, the Ciroc deal. He had been, Puff had had, as you can imagine, opportunities to work in spirits for uh, over a decade and he had been unsure about it for a while yeah. and when this opportunity came up again I said look I want to be part of the team that negotiates this um, and I brought him so look I'm trained in negotiations I you know I was before I came here I was selling two million dollars in advertising I, I'm happy to keep you know booking your jets and running the team but I think I can also be additive and make things better he said okay you know his whole thing is like you can always do more right so you keep doing what you're doing and you can do that um so I uh, worked with our CFO. We were a very small team. We negotiated the Ciroc Vodka deal uh, yeah. with Diageo, which had been doing, um, they'd had Ciroc for five years and the sales had been terrible. And then we worked on it for nine months, got yeah. the deal done. And then I went back to him and said, okay, Puff, you're, you're famous. Your whole lifeblood has been really marketing. 
And we're at an interesting time in your company's history where we hardly have any marketing staff here. Yeah. So let me relaunch the marketing agency you used to have in the 90s called Blue Flame. Yeah. I said, I'll get it funded, and I will run, but I want to run it. He said, yep, if you replace yourself as chief of staff, you can go do that. So I went to Diageo. I negotiated money to get it started, uh, picked out a team. And then um, also, um, but I ended up kind of doing both jobs for two years, for the first year. And uh, I went back to him. I was like, I'm not, this is a big opportunity. I said, this is going to be able to make, you're going to, and actually it's going to be much more. I said, you'll be able to make at least a hundred million dollars. We're growing this brand like crazy. Yeah. I said, but I can't, I said, I, I can do a lot of things, but this one call about <laughs> like, you know, that was important, but there'll be one call about like, um, you know, managing things with his homes. And then the next call about making sure Ciroc was in 500 accounts. I was like, I need to like focus so we can over deliver on this opportunity for everybody. Yeah. Um, or I'm going to need to leave. Yeah. Um, and then that's when he agreed and said, no, just go run this rock business. Okay. I like that a lot. And um, even when you talked about, I think it was called Defense Negotiations. Is that what you called it? Oh, de- it was called the Defense Acquisition University. And I was trained in, it trained in contract negotiations. Contract negotiations. So like even yes. that, right? And even when you talked about walking into rooms and you talked about the two seconds that people are going to perceive you and they're going to have a judgment whether it's in your favor or not in your favor. Yes. Like in, in those scenarios, like what were some things, I know you were training this, but what were some things that, like, that you do to show your confidence and to be confident in these arenas? Yes, yes. So to actually be confident, you've you got to actually do the work, right? Because you can fake it to a certain degree. But uh, I will tell you back in my Department of Defense days, I was very, I was like 21 years old. One of my first contracts was a $120 million contract. I, to this day, I'm like, I don't know why they would get, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, um, and I was going into rooms with people. Um, I worked with a company that was in, like, these guys had been in the defense industry for literally 50 years. So I would be in a room and I would be like 40 and 50 years younger than the next person. Yeah. Um, they were completely befuddled about why I was there if I was not fetching coffee. Yeah. And um, now if I can't, I'm not saying that it turned into a kumbaya fest and that they're now members of the NOACP, but do we think I moved them down the spectrum by knowing my shit? Yeah, 100%. So my own, my only defense at the Department of Defense was like, I got to actually know the federal acquisition regulations backwards and forwards. And they are just as sexy as they sound, right? Super dry. <laughs> Reading it all night. But what it did was, um, it's not going to be everything and it's not our savings grace. But I do think that just being excellent is your, is the first, is the foundation of making sure you can walk in with the confidence of you've done everything you can do. And then some of it is just pure techniques. There are, um, going back to that evolution, I'm like a little bit of a science nerd. Uh, her name is a woman, Amy Cuddy. If yeah. you haven't seen this, Amy C-U-D-D-Y, she has a great TED talk about the position of your body and how this is not just for us, it's for animals, that what it means when you actually open up your chest and what yeah. it signals to one another is really critical. So again, these things might seem like silly hacks, but they're evolutionary. So you'll be messaging somebody without having to do anything, just in the way you're positioning your chest. Right. So I would, it, I would definitely encourage everybody to check out, her, check her TED talk out. It's a terrific example. Eye contact makes a big difference where you sit. I see a lot of times, um, I've had to do this many times too, where women come in a room, you're in a conference room, they'll have like the main table. Right. And then you'll sometimes there'll be seats along the window, which are for, you know, like for the overflow staff. But I've seen sometimes people come into a room and automatically actually literally not sit at the table. Mm. Like that signals like I don't belong. Right. So I think you got to give yourself the, the confidence and the permission to be like, no, I, I, I deserve a literal seat at the table. Yeah. Um, 
and, and I would say, I say this a lot too, because I think this was something that was a learning experience for me. Um, you know, working with Puff, I was able to be in just phenomenal rooms. So as we're all sitting around thinking through like, well, something has to be right with like, you know, the, this guy's worth a hundred billion dollars. He has something really different about him than me. You, we just gotta, you just kind of got to think that to a certain degree. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it's not, I, don't, I don't believe it's that different. Um, going back to my nerdy science, like we all, there was a project called the Human, Human Genome Project. Yeah. And discovered that we all share 99.5% the same of genomes. If aliens came, we basically would be like different color ants to them. Like they fight with each other, they're all the same. Like, yeah. I mean, so like you, when you go into a room, you have to know that there is, there is a stretch of like, you know, what you are today and what you can be. But yeah. it is a thousand percent within your realm. And everybody in that room is with you in that same 0.5%. Yeah. Nobody is so superior to you that they are doing something that you couldn't be doing. And I think that, to me, bar anything else, is why I feel confident about, like, it can, if people can do it, it can be done. Are they human? Then we can do it too. Okay. I totally agree with that. And I like to use this example a lot for my selfish page because... For me, okay, so we talk about quote-unquote celebrities, right? And so for me, sometimes when I see people and they're like, oh, my God, and this is no shade to any celebrity. It's like, no, oh, no, no, Beyonce or whomever it is, you know, uh, Meg Thee Stallion, whomever people like, it's like, oh, my God, I'm in the presence of blah, blah, blah. I think that's nice to think, right? But I also yeah. have to think, well, I'm Beyonce, too. <laughs> that's right. Me rather than it be this thing of hierarchy, right? I get being yes. that's totally understandable, but sometimes it's to the point of like, I, I gotta be back here, like, I, I'm not worthy, you know. Sometimes I feel like, yeah. like that and to me, no, look at it like, wow, that's such a wonderful example of human capacity. Wow, they were so creative to that, this was done. Wow, it's so it's, it's possible for me. I love to use that that affirmation, it's possible for me too. And so yes. when I see that, I'm, I, for me, I think one of the best ways to show thanks for somebody to opening doors or just showing their creativity is for you to be the best you that you can be. Because it's uh, yes. for me, that is what's important. So I'm glad that you had talked about that and talked about even in the scientific way, our genomes and things like that. So people yeah. are understanding like, yeah, like we're not so different. Like I can do whatever I need to do that's going to help me grow and show me to my fullest potential because everybody, you know, has their own thing. So I'm really happy that you have said that. No, I, come, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so now I want to talk into the good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that you have now moved over into the cannabis industry. Okay. Yes. I like to call cannabis Mama Cannabis. That's just Mama, <laughs> that's Mama Cannabis. Okay. And I'm just like excited. Okay, so tell us about this transition and tell me why, like, why the cannabis industry? Yeah, so um, we have been looking, Puff, as you can imagine, was getting so many opportunities to become a part of the industry for, for years while I was still working with um, Combs Enterprises. And, and then I just started seeing just, you know, friends on both sides being affected by it, right? People like, yo, we're, this place is making $20 million a year and we just opened. So you know what I mean? Like a year ago. Um, and also on the flip side, people still locked up for doing the same things depending upon what zip code they lived in or came from. Yeah. And um, after just studying the industry, I was like, you know what? This is, like, this is an opportunity 
to be in something that like no bullshit can actually change the world's economy. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget going back to spirits, right? So think about when spirits was in prohibition. Um, when we in 2007, when Puff and I, we finished this deal with Diageo and we were out in Las Vegas and um, the executives introduced us in this small room to all of the families who really own the distribution for liquor. And it's a very small group of families, and the room was probably worth $50 billion with less than 40 people in the room, right? You know what I mean? And, and, it, and, and there were people whose families had ties to post-prohibition. I never forgot that. As the people who took advantage of like, oh, spirits are legal again, and jumped on it. Are uh, their great, 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 great grands are good for that today, right, from that decision. So as we started to see cannabis becoming legal, I'm like, well, I don't, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm starting backwards as a minority woman, right? There's no inheritance waiting for me of significance from, from 100 years ago. I, we got to be, we got to be the generation that changes it. And there's a chance to participate in this industry. I, I can't sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason why I was excited. That was, that's the first reason that was exciting to me. And then I also feel like, um, and I got, and I can do better here. This is the area where I'm trying to learn as much as I can and talk to people and see how we can better coalesce is it's, it's maddening to think that it's still not, there are people still today in jail for carrying ounces, two ounces today, today in the United States. You know what I mean? And, and people are profiting billions. And this is projected on the high end pre COVID just the CBD side of the business, not even including the THC. And for people who don't know, you think about cannabis being made of THC, which you think of traditionally to relax or to, or to get high sensation or celebrate versus yeah. CBD, which does not have that piece of it, but it has the potential anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety uh, effects. Uh, just the CBD side is projected sometimes as high as $40 billion by 2025 in the United States. This is just, I'm not that's global, that's actually a global number. Yeah. Like, we gotta be a part of, we gotta be a part of that, right? Like, I'm almost like, well, this is the reparations I've been looking for. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 um, so I think that, for me, that was the thing that is, is exciting about it. And, you know, my husband makes fun of me. I mean, to this day, I've still, I, I use CBD. I've never smoked weed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or or any any kind of things on the THC side. Yeah. Um, and actually, with COVID, maybe this is a good time for a test. <laughs> but I but, but I tell you what, I saw my mother has uh, multiple sclerosis, and she's had it since I was like nine years old. Very, she has progressive. It's chronic. She's in. She's pretty much in like debilitating pain twenty four hours a day. Yeah. And once it became medical, marijuana became legal in the state of Maryland she was able to start taking um, THC. And this has been like the first time she's been able to sleep through the night in like decades. Um, so that honestly was a bit of the tipping point for me of being like, this is, cra- this is crazy. Like, I'm like, this is just, this is my mom. So I'm, of course I'm biased, but I was like, yo, can I, can I do anything to help five more people to have a change their life like this? You know what I mean? So I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta get into this. I gotta do it. I love it. And what is your company's name? So my company is called The Burn Group. Um, and what we do is we, to, to, this kind of goes back to the story I just talked about, is we have actually partnered with some of the, uh, you know, the biggest distributors in the United States. So we're helping take brands right now in the U.S., it's just CBD in Canada, we also have THC, um, and put them out and make it convenient. Quality brands that have credentials that we can curate in terms of making sure that they are great brands for the right 
um, consumer and then put them out in convenient areas like grocery and drugstores instead of right now. It's actually not that easy if you're interested in it to go find it and know that like you can go, you can Google CBD right now online and you'd be like, I want to try it, but I don't know who this brand is, where it comes from. We're the burden group kind of exists to fill that gap. And we're, um, we're also working on rolling out a, a marketplace in Q3. Think like a far fetch for CBD. Okay. And so my question is, cause I know we're all curious. My question is, okay, so let's say that you are interested in starting a CBD-based brand and you can, you know, have the marketing in the company. When would be the right time to come to the burn group? When would be the good time? Is it in the, in the very beginning? Like, hey, I really want to have the CBD brand. How can you guys, like, how can you help me? Like, when can we come to you? Yeah, so, um, I mean, end of the day, we're just, we're just ending our first year, right? But we have deep relationships. So I would say... Um, you know, it's not necessarily ever too early. You might have to be patient in terms of, I won't pretend like we have a lot going on, so I can't necessarily answer everything. Yeah. But I, I personally want to see any any underserved population win, right? So if I can help in any way, whether it's like, well, I want to do it, but I don't know who to go do isolate. Okay, well, here's somebody that you can call to get the isolate. Or, or you're on the other side. I'm funded. I got a great brand. I got this. I think it's an anti-inflammatory beauty cream. I'm ready to go, but now I need your help in getting it distributed. Then yeah, then that, then you're perfect. Then you're absolutely ready. And and at times, 100% right to have that conversation. Um. So I mean, I'm definitely my my Instagram is just my name. So it's DSMs. Um. So me or sort of my team should check it out on a regular basis. Please hit me with questions. I, I this is something that's more than a job for me. I really want to see us be successful. So if I can't, if I can help, I will. Okay. I love that. Cause I know so many of us want to be in the cannabis industry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I say this from a holistic perspective as well, not just like as a joke, but the way that you talked about how cannabis or mama cannabis has helped your mom be able mm-hmm. to sleep through the night after years of not being able to do that. That shows the, the, the wonderful benefits that it can do in the medical system, right? For people but on a holistic level when it comes to healing or dealing with pain and dealing with inflammation, different things like that. So for me, like in terms of cannabis, like um, when it comes to herbs, like I'm really into herbs mm-hmm. or uh, cannabis is an herb. She has her own energy. She has her own spirit. And what I like to do is I like to speak to the plant. So I have my little plant here. It's yes, yes. Like the plant. So for me, like for me, I had did a podcast um, way, way back then. And I talked about, this is for people that do smoke marijuana. I talked about, you know, instead of just smoking marijuana, have you, have, have you given it intention? And so what I say is that for me, the power of our words is very important. Our words are vibrating on a certain energetic level, depending on what it is that we're saying. As yes. And the herb as well has its own vibratory energy. And so for me, before smoking, are you speaking to the plant? Hey, my intention is, for example, my intention is, you know, Mama Cannabis, I would love to really be more into my body. I want to feel more. I want to be able to relax, to feel joy, and to feel happiness in these few moments. And that is my intention. You say it, you think it, you infuse the energy of your energy into the cannabis. And then, you know, you smoke and you have your effects because cannabis is a very feminine plant and very feminine energy. And I know that. So when I say I'm talking about a holistic point of view, that for me is like even with CBD, 
I, even, I have CBD oil, I take it and I speak to it before I take it and ingest it because I know the, the effects that it's going to give, but I also know that that plant, the energy of that plant has a certain energy and I want to infuse my energy with the energy of that plant to gain certain effects. And so um, not even on a jokey jokey level, but the, the the shared benefits, the holistic benefits of, of cannabis is so, so healing. So I'm really happy that it's becoming a lot more legal in different states, affirming that it's going to become legal everywhere very, very soon. And definitely affirming to see more women of color in this industry, you know, in this, because like you said, you, you talked about reparations really quick, but honestly, this is a growing industry that we need to be a part of. And so, yeah. how fair, please, no. being in the industry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, you, you said a lot of critical things in terms of, one, this is a plant, right? You know what I mean? This is, a, this is whatever you believe in, this is a plant, right? So not that plants can't be dangerous, of course, but when you think about all the synthetic things that we allow to be in our bodies, this, the, the stigma around this plant is manufactured, just like many things we put in our body, and this is actually natural. And uh, coming from, I mentioned briefly, that I used to work in pharmaceutical sales, although they're two very different drugs, and I, but it was always interesting to me to look at like, there's a drug called Wellbutrin that people take for uh, anti-anxiety and smoking and to help you stop smoking, right? This is what it used to be used for. Um, and it's like a dopamine antagonist, right? Ecstasy is an illegal drug, uh, which people use, but it's also a dopamine. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like who kind of has a better marketing plan, yeah. right? I mean, in terms of, I think cannabis is now getting the appropriate, finally, uh, the appropriate level of respect because it's actually a pretty, it's a pretty amazing drug and then you just read the science of what it can do um i think it's incredibly important the point you made i don't think it and and i'm i don't want to be redundant but it's something i say a lot as well in that i don't want to oversimplify this but like if in my brain right now i I tell myself i'm going to get up and walk to my neighbor's house down the block that's the direction i have given my brain yeah it's the exact point you just made around the power of your thought and your words that right like your feet will follow what your brain tells it to do yeah. Right. So that's as big as I want. This is what I'm looking for in my life, in my family, in my level of spirituality, in my interactions, in my success. Right. So it is incredibly important that you program yourself and living things with what you want to achieve, because it is not that different than the roadmap you follow of being like, I have to go get on the bus. I have to go walk five blocks. Your body will follow that. So just I think being more audacious with the thoughts you fill in your brain, you actually train your body to fulfill it. Um, and that's, that's not a small thing. It's nothing hokey about it. It's real. Um, so I, I couldn't agree with what you said more. Okay. Okay. And how old is your daughter, love? She's seven. seven. Okay. So my final question is, um, what is one thing about self-love that you want your daughter to know? I think, um, it's just that, you know, it's just how, it's kind of what I said in the beginning. It's that how important her happiness is and how important it is for her to, that it's okay to take care of herself. I think we have come from a history where women give such enormous sacrifice. And it is honestly the hallmark. It has historically been the hallmark of a woman. Yeah. How, she, how does she sacrifice with grace, right? Like she's so poised and graceful and yet she's giving more than she should. Yeah. I don't think that that's right. I think we have to change that. Like, why is that the hallmark of a woman? That just seems like the, the greatest trick ever sold in. Yeah. And I want well, my daughter and, you know, all the young women to start to change that narrative and that they don't have to be valued for their sacrifice. Yes. 
I love that. Um, which is why we have selfish pay, okay? Yeah. <laughs> authentically love themselves and also understand that they can, you know, co-create their reality. That's another yes. also a very important point. But um, I think that that uh, story has been sold and we, you know, a lot of people have ate it up and now, you know, we're transitioning. And for me, when it comes to selfish favor, the word selfish, it's really just um, changing the energy around it, using it in a way that's more empowering versus a side eye that people give when you be like, oh, I'm so yeah. <laughs> side eye. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> focusing on me and guess what when I focus on me we'll be overflowing I'll be yes able to, I'll be able to give on a more in a happier space so you yes. want to focus on myself it's actually beneficial for humanity if women focus on it's myself. actually it's actually generous it's actually generous if, you, if it's done right exactly, exactly. Yeah. I want to thank you so much Dia for being on thank you podcast is there any last minute words that you want to say before we go I, I, I just, uh, the only thing that I would just add is that, um, you know, it is, it's an incredibly difficult time. And I think we're all, we're all putting pressure on ourselves as if it's found time. But the truth is, it's reasonable to have like crazy levels of anxiety right now. And to make sure that like, if you come out of this whole and sane and happy, like you have done well, like it is. Um, and I keep, you know, anybody who's watching this, hearing it, um, you know, just sending you love and light because um, this is these are these are challenging, unprecedented times that we're in, which makes it all the more important, you know, to wrap and hold yourself up and be selfish and ensure that you are loving yourself first in the midst of the madness that we're seeing. I love that so much. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you, beautiful. <laughs> Hey, beautiful. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Selfish Babe Selfish Talk podcast. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way and you think that it could be impactful to a girl or a woman that you know, definitely send this episode to her. Also, make sure to download our Selfish Babe app to receive self-love inspirational messages throughout your day found in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. You can also head over to our website, SelfishBabe.com, to join the community. Follow at SelfishBabes with an S on Instagram. Or you can also follow me on Instagram at OlenikeLC. I affirm that you have an amazing day. I will connect with you on the next episode. And I love you. Mwah.